Please note, this episode contains some strong language. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Can you see that it's recording your end? Yes. Excellent. Well, we got here eventually. I, I, I love technology. I love that. And it's great. <laughs> I don't. I'm ready to shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Louise McCarthy, you are a gem for even just persisting with us this morning to get to get us connected over to internet. Oh, no, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. It's a total pleasure. I just feel like, well, we've done the whole, like, do you know so-and-so? I know so-and-so. I've done that behind the scenes because I do that. It's quite annoying. Other People listening to this podcast must be like, ah, check car section with everybody. <laughs> you do, but the sounds it. You totally know everybody. You know all the good ones. Correct. Correct. That's it. It's about collecting all the good ones. You know what I mean? Like yourself. And I've just been so keen to speak to you for so long. You are the kind of person, I'm sure you hear this a lot, but I feel like I, I know you, even though I've never met you. <laughs> Do you know I felt that when we talked this morning? Maybe we're kindred spirits, Lisa. Maybe that's what it is. But I think you just have this aura of like, even like your online presence, and obviously I've seen you on stage and I've seen you on screen. But I just think you have this aura of like, I just knew you were going to be like a good person, like, and I knew it was going to be good times. But yeah, I do I genuinely do feel like like what I do know you. So this is, but I'm excited to know more. Excited to know more. <laughs> I don't know if it's that exciting, but good luck to you, Lisa. <laughs> oh, that was very kind of you. That's a really lovely compliment. Thank you. Not at all. Not at all. So I was trying to think where to start this, and I'll. Like like I was saying to you before I hit record there, I'll, I'll be honest, I was doing my research and uh, I was listening to the fantastic podcast that is putting it together with Brian O'Sullivan and I listened back to an episode that you did with Brian and uh, I was chuckling away to myself I was driving because um, my understanding is that your entry into the world of uh, performing arts wasn't <laughs> because you loved putting on shows necessarily. <laughs> Well, it depends on what kind of shows. <laughs> no, I liked uh, I was I think I went to an old girls' school, so I was in the lookout for a boyfriend, so I would go to drama clubs to see if I could get somebody to get off of me. <laughs> I love this. I love the honesty for first and foremost. But there must be so many other people that listen to that that are the same, like I I just wanted either like I wanted to find new pals or I wanted to get a winch. Ah, mine's was a total winch and that didn't really work out I mean because I think most of my pals that went to my drama school um, are now uh, homosexual so it's like I don't <laughs> it didn't work out too well because um, maybe maybe it's me maybe I've maybe I turned Michael Martin that's the pal that I fancied he's a really good pal of mine so I can say that and uh, it was him that I was after and now we're best pals and he's with his partner and kids and all that I mean, it did work out in the sense that you discovered this innate talent that you have. Talk about triple threat, you can do it all. Oh, I don't feel like that. I think it's my dad says, was it jack of all trades, master of all? <laughs> no, but do you not know that, that that phrase is like longer than that? Right, go get it. So apparently it's like, so jack of all trades, master of none, but it's better to be a, a, a jack of all, all than just one. 
Oh right, okay. Oh, that's good. Right, I'm taking that. You run, run with that, and you are because like you, you can like you literally can do it. Oh, and I was like just listing the stuff that I know, and I'm sure there's like a million other things that you've done that I don't even know about. And that's why I've asked you on here. But like you know, in terms of like stage, musical theatre, straight acting, then TV work, then film, like ah, and then so then I realised you were in Wild Rose, and I was like, she in Wild Rose? And I was like, oh my god, it's like <laughs> I, I, I mean, I love that film. When you then obviously made that that decision that this is the profession that you wanted to be in you'd went to you'd done your winching and then you discovered the talent <laughs> <laughs> did you have a clear like idea of what aspect of the industry you wanted to go in or was it just like I'll do it all no I actually went doing if I'm honest in hindsight I felt I went down a wrong path because I mean at that time you didn't even well if you had internet it was really in the early stages of it and so performing arts to me the only thing I knew about it was musicals because at the club that I was at that was their kind of focus so we would do Chicago Jesus Christ Superstar like it'd be a musical at the end of your term so I didn't realize there was like you know you could do just straight acting or obviously I knew you could do television and things but I think within my peer group everybody was doing the singing and the musicals and obviously what comes with that is you then have to dance because obviously there's dancing and musicals um, and so I ended up just kind of being a little bit of a sheet and just going, well, where are you going? And photo back, right, I'm going to go to Artstead London. Okay, I'll just go there. So I kind of just followed the crowd, I felt. And then it wasn't until after I'd done Mamma Mia and it was amazing and I had a great time. But I think creatively, I mean, these things are very much like a franchise. So the, same, the show has to be the same every time. Mm-hmm. So even though you come in as a new cast, you're still in the same positions you still have to pretty much stick to what the original cast found or created if you like and I just felt for all I loved it I was like oh no I kind of want to date like that or can I not date like this and I and obviously there wasn't much room for that which I totally understand why it's not a criticism of um the company or anything and I went oh maybe I've done the wrong thing because I had this real burning desire to make up shows I think maybe because I've done it my whole life played at shops make up shows in front of your mum or you know so I kind of was like oh no I've done the right thing and took a real panic after I came out and then just kind of went right well why don't I not do that thing that I think I don't want to do and see if anything else comes and then I struggled for about three years to get work I was really I had nothing because I was totally going don't put me up for that let's try and make this switch which maybe was a bit of a mental idea at the time because I was totally skinned. But that's that just shows the like, strength of character and that like the determination to to follow a path that you necessarily couldn't see, but you knew you were capable of, and that you were sure that that's what you wanted. I think that's really brave, like especially so early on in your career and having done something like Mamma Mia. I mean, that's huge, and people will be like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And you're like, "I is amazing," and you had all the time, but that the book doesn't stop there. It's not just well, I like, tick that box. Like I'm happy now. Yeah, and there was loads of guilt surrounding it, I'll be honest, because I was going, and I did, it was my dream, and I did have those amazing moments of like, oh my God, I'm on a West End show, this is incredible, but there was something really deep down that went, I don't want this for my forever life, and I felt, I had this real guilt that you go, God, people would kill to be in this position, and here's me having these little seeds of doubt, and then it's that total Catholic guilt, oh, I'm a terrible person, I don't deserve this, and... I just God. went a bit mental for three years and went to live in Miami and just went, I don't know who else. I didn't know this. I went to live in Miami. I was working in a restaurant 
and the guy opened a restaurant in Miami. I think it was probably illegal, right? <laughs> and yeah, no. Do you want to come and open a restaurant in Miami for six months? And I went, I all right. And I went away and opened this restaurant. Wow. Just so you, it sounds like you are just somebody who goes with their gut and just says yes to things when it feels right. Yeah, or I'm totally mental and I'm in the middle of a breakdown and just do totally crazy shit. <laughs> Either way, it seems to be working out. So I'm going to second guess it too much. Who am I? What am I doing? Right, I'm going to Miami. I'm going to be a waitress. I just, I don't know. It's that saying. I don't know if I want a shit or a haircut sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that is the nature of the business to an extent because there is no certainty. I mean, I think just in life now, there isn't any certainty. I mean, you know, jobs for life don't really exist. Unfortunately, you know, I've made my peace with that because I'm, I'm happy in being a freelancer and that uncertainty sometimes is a wee bit stressful, but most of the time I'm all right with that. But yeah, you kind of do sign up to that lifestyle to an extent. But yeah, I can understand what you're saying because I think in the arts there can be that kind of thing like, oh, thanks so much for the job. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. And you're like, well, they've obviously given you because you're good enough. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And I think as an actor, you're always, you're always slightly, you know, it, I don't want to say bottom of the pile because it, it's, I've not worked for companies that have made me feel at the bottom of the pile, but I think in terms of what, you know, like competition, the amount of other people you're up against and all the other things that surround it, that in a way you, it is, it's the kind of, it's the job that you're the most disposable in lots of ways. And so having that kind of somebody, having that kind of power, or I mean, it's not a single person, obviously, because you're a freelancer, but just having that non security kind of sometimes make me want to flip a table and go well I'm away then see you and then when it's really good you go oh I don't want to do any other job in the world it's mental I think I think a therapist to be an actor that that would be quite interesting for somebody who's not in the world of the creative industries for you to say that, that the actors are almost like the most disposable because people are looking at you going well you're it like there wouldn't be this show if it wasn't for you, but but that you're only seeing one side of the coin. I, I guess you're not seeing behind the scenes where actors must feel at times, and dancers and composers, all anybody that's involved could feel it. Yeah, like somebody else could step into my shoes. Totally, and every time you do something or you go to an audition or you put yourself out there, like you can never not put yourself out there without putting your heart and your soul and things that actually make you a fully functioning human being. And so for somebody to turn around and go, no, no, the day head, it stings no matter what because it's it's personal. It always it's it's always personal. And so I just think, why do people do it? But then I say that and I go, Well, what else am I gonna do? I wasn't good at anything else. I was rotten at anything else. So it's like and I'm thirty seven now, so you're like, Oh, well, I'm in with the bricks of water, I can't, I can't <laughs> change it now. But then the joy outweighs the negative, it always does. But I think it's that thing, it's just having the, I suppose, I don't know if it's strength, because I don't really think of myself as a strong person, but I think it's that thing of just going, you need to just let it go off your back. You need to to just go, right, what's more important here? And just kind of compartmentalise it, chuck it, put it in the bucket, and just keep going. I think, I don't know, honestly, I couldn't tell anybody how to do it. It's mental, why do we do it? Well, I guess everybody has their own coping strategies. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do things in terms of like, you can't like just say like, you're, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to be upset if I don't get that. I mean, I, I guess certain jobs will be feel more sore than others if you don't get them and equally more exciting 
you know, depending on what it is like if you've built yourself up and I guess you coming out of Mamma Mia and then really actively sourcing like the jobs that you wanted to do next, they would have had such a weight behind them because you'd be like, ah, oh, oh, why to do that? And I know I can do that. Totally, totally. And you do, you kind of put that, it's pressure that you put on yourself. But I suppose it's that saying that life happens when you're busy making other plans. And I think that's dead true for like in terms of work. Keep, see if I keep my mind really busy with other things or have other projects or other focuses and it can be anything, it doesn't need to be work related it could be a hobby or your kids or whatever it, it kind of then starts to happen because you're not focused on looking at that email every day and you go oh there's a wee thing came in or oh it's an addition or whatever and I do think it happens when you're probably not so mentally focused about it because it is still a job and it becomes a life because it is. It's such a personal thing. It's somebody. It's somebody saying not to you as a human being. That's tough. But really is. I find if I kind of compartmentalize it and chuck it and kind of put less weight on it, even though I'm slightly tricking myself and lying to myself, it kind of works. <laughs> yeah, it's having that balance as well, like, ha- like allowing yourself to have a life. Because I'm sure at points you don't feel that you have a life, you know, there, there'll be, because uh, it's very all-consuming, especially if you're in rehearsals or you're touring a show or, you know, you're away from home, you're away from family and pals and, and it seems like life is going on without you at certain stages. So it is important to try and, like, cultivate that. Like, I do have other things, I have other interests, but, yeah, it's difficult not for it to be all-consuming at times and I guess for people that are not involved or just be like, oh, you're rotting again, you're like, yep. <laughs> yes, I am. Do and night. But then the total joy comes is like because I've made for me making that that leap. I, I mean, that's not to say I would never go back and do a musical. I totally would because I'm getting that fulfilment. But to go and have that time to create a new thing and create characters, like you get paid to play with your pals. It's it's the best job in the world. And so in that way, you go and actually see for your mind, like in your mental health, when you do actually do a job that's glorious, like I've just done orphans. Cast were amazing. It was a brand new musical. We all got to pitch in our ideas. It was really collaborative. And you go, this isn't work. This is just gallus. So there's joy in it as well. And the bonus is you get to, to take a, an audience on a, a journey that they, they, you know, they come into that theatre, that space, not really knowing what to expect. And, and for that hour or two hours or however long it is, you get to transport people into a totally different land and a different time and a different world. And that's like... I mean, that's magic. Oh, totally. Do you know who describes it the best? And you should get her on your podcast. It's Barbara Rafferty. And we were doing your granny at the Kings. And it was like, I think I was I was quite young at the time. I must have been just kind of mid-twenties. And I was working with Barbara and Gregor Fisher was on it. I mean, it was comedy gold of Scottish uh, royalty. And uh, then there was me who was like a totally nobody. And I was like, God, this is the best job ever. Look what I'm surrounded by. And it totally was. And before we went out the first night, Barbara Rafferty turns and she goes, the other actors in tonight talking about the audience. And you're like, she's bloody right. Because you're like, that's the person you then play with that night. And I just never forgot it. And I thought, that's actually cracking. To which would go, the other actors in tonight, darling. Talking about like those pinch me moments, like you, there, there must be so many highlights and so many moments where you're like, yeah, I'm in this thing with these amazing people, or like I've I've made new friendships, or you're standing waiting to go on, and you're like, look at this thing that I'm wearing, this amazing costume, and look at that person over there. Like there must be moments where you're like, how did this happen? Oh, I've, I, honestly, Lisa, I've been incredibly, incredibly 
lucky, and I, I don't always love using the word lucky because I do think luck doesn't come without like hard work, and I have really grafted at it and really, you know, done everything and done my homework and really studied and created things on my own. Like, and it's not I'm not blowing smoke up above my head, but I'm just that thing of going. It doesn't come luck doesn't come without having having to do all that legwork beforehand. But absolutely, when I get asked to do that, and then there were like Johnny Watson, Gregor Fisher, Paul Riley, like Brian Pettifer, Robert Rafferty, you're just like, I mean, that's creme de la creme of, and people say it's the creme de la creme of Scottish comedy, but all those people within their own right are amazing street actors. We just know them as comedy figures, mm. but actually every person in that cast is a phenomenal straight, well, what is a straight actor? Who, <laughs> what even does that term mean? If you're an actor and you do comedy and you're an actor, you do drama, you're an actor. Correct. But they were just, you're just like that. They're like, where's my phone gone for? Do you know? But they did a youngin, so pinch me, pinch me again. It was like, this is, this isn't happening to me. It just sounds like you just like love the craft of it. So, you know, you love the experience of being in the musical, but it was, it, it was what it was that, you know, that's over there in a box doing its thing. But you do like the creativity, you like get your teeth into something, you like having your say. Because that's you that's what you went to study. You went to create yeah. characters and, and use your imagination and play. I, I guess when you're going up for jobs, like you're already thinking, if I get this, this is how I would do it. This is that, you know, these are my ideas. Like and then you get in the room with everybody else and it's just like, let's just figure this out. What is your like creative process like? What are you like in the, the kind of rehearsal room? Um, I can I can flip between a few things like so some people start with text and then build characters some people like obviously you have to read it first before you build a character I don't mean that but some people get really into you know the language of it before they start thinking about how they play it I tend to read it and then straight away try and uh, hopefully something jumps out at me or what what kind of character I think it is or what kind of attributes they have so most of the time I'd say I'd come at it from that side and that's whether it's comedy or drama or whatever. I, I personally like having somebody in my mind. So if I go, oh, that's quite like my pal Jane. Oh, no, that's quite like so-and-so. And I quite like to have a person in my mind that I know because for me, it's an easy draw. I don't need to sit and technically think of everything. I just have like a, first of all, I have an overall big paintbrush to go, right. And then you go back in. I sound like a total wanker, but no, it's like strokes. And then you keep every time you keep reading it, you go, oh, but she's a bit like that. And then you put another wee bit in, and I suppose it's that. That's the best way I could describe it. Big broad strokes, big big ideas at first, and then I'll kind of go back and figure oh, that's too big, that's actually too caricature, or actually it's too small there, or whatever. And then I just go in and manipulate it. That's what rehearsals, I suppose, are for. But for me, it's I I, I think you learn the most watching other actors. I really do. I, I I've never. I'd say I'd learnt more on a job than I ever did at college. Watching other people do it and how how they do it and just picking up wee tips and tricks and just people's approach. I think there's nothing more interesting than watching somebody else at their work. And I do think, I'll be honest, I, I think anything I do, I've definitely learnt from other people I've worked with. Absolutely. It's it's not, it's no, it's not, I don't have a given talent, I don't think. I think it's a honed collection of, tools and really lovely kind of bits of advice from lovely people that I've put in a wee box and then just kind of made that my wee 
my wee process. Yeah, that's a that's a skill in itself. That's what everyone's doing. Anybody that's good at their job, like good at their craft. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're they're taking all those elements, but you know, refining them and then making them their own. And that's what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not you're not you're not copying anybody. You're you're just taking elements that work for you and then just rejigging them to make it something that's very much Louise. Yeah, because I think I learn visually. I'm not really. I'm not great. Te- I'm not a great technical. I'm not a great technician as an actor. I'm probably, if you would describe me as an actor, I'm probably more instinctual. It comes from within. And so if I can't see it or I don't feel it or it's not something tangible, then I I think trying to just pull it out of thin air or write it down in a bit of paper is dead unhelpful for me because it means nothing to me. And so it has to be an actual practical thing or like... A lot of people are really against it. They don't want to give, a lot of directors don't love giving line readings, but sometimes I just ask for it. I go, well, what, what is it? Because if I can't hear it, yes. for me, I'm like, they go, no, 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 I don't want to give you a line reading. That's not. And I'm like, just tell me how you want me to say it because I'll get it. Because otherwise, you know, for me, that's just a process thing. But other people are really different and hate having line reads or hate having that kind of really hands-on approach. But I don't mind it. I kind of like all approaches. I'm dead open. Genuinely, I'm dead, dead open. I worked with a director called Graham McLaren, and he did actioning. And that was all about, you just kind of, you affiliate a word with a sentence, but the word has to be like a doing word. So it's a really, so suppose like, if you were going to kind of like face off on somebody, like the action would be, I challenge you as an example. And you can challenge somebody in loads of different ways. And so he would just shout these actions at you while you were delivering your line so you knew what to play. And I loved that. But that's quite technical, but I really loved it. Yeah, that's really cool. I've never came across that before. That's awesome. He's really cool. He does loads of cool stuff like that. And I was kind of like, well, that's really, like, you know, I'm not a great person with words. I'm no brilliant English. I was like, I can't do that. And actually I could. Because you're on your feet and somebody's just shouting these really kind of colourful words that you then knew how to physicalise and actually it was amazingly helpful and a huge tool that I now still take with me. He's amazing, he's a great director. I had this kind of phrase, you know, every day's a school day in my head, like while you were talking there, it must, every job must, you must take something away from it, even if it's just like, well, I'll not do that again <laughs> or, or you know, I've got a new pal or like, you know, the audience reacted in that way or, you know, just the way it was directed or whatever, but are there particular jobs, particular roles that really stand out for you because you have learned a big lesson? Um, I probably, I mean, the biggest the biggest lesson you'll ever learn is, because me and my pal Gail Telfer Stevens in River City, we wrote our own show for two, like, two comedy women. And I think that's probably been the biggest lesson I've ever learned because we started in pubs and clubs, kind of almost in a stand-up capacity. You know, I've never done stand-up. I don't claim to be a stand-up. I don't even claim to be a comedian by any stretch of my mind. But going out and, you know, trying to make people laugh and do it, obviously, in those small kind of audiences, they were tough. They would tell us we were right. Like, there's no lies. And so I suppose my journey with the dolls has probably been my biggest because it's been the one I've maybe had the most criticism for in very much the early days when you'd go to Whole Park Bowling Club and a wee guy in an that would say, oh, you're not for me, hen. Sorry, no. He's only funny. You know, and they tell you the truth. <laughs> to then go and do like a play, you know, with a really prestige where everybody goes, oh, brilliant, darling, excellent. And actually, you do, you appreciate the man in the ground that just told you the bloody truth. 
And from that, you go, well, actually, oh, that was crap the night and the timing of that's wrong. And you go away and you rework it and you come back and you try and better the joke or better the scene or whatever. And I think by the time the dose is now like eight years and ten years, no, ten years in the thing. That wow. you go, I know I've learned a massive amount just by writing your own stuff and going, how does that work? No, that like gag doesn't land. How, why is that not landing? Why do I need three beats instead of four? Like, it's just mental. It's a minefield, and you'll never learn it. But every time you go out, every time you do anything, I suppose you come away with something something new, and that's why I kind of love this job. It never gets boring. It's a total gift. Right, never gets boring. But definitely that's been my biggest learning curve because you've got nobody to hold your hand. You're, you're doing it all. Like you're acting in it, you're writing it, you're producing it. You're everybody, so you're learning all the mistakes and you're having to fix them the next time. But there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in mistakes. And what was, like, the kind of inspiration or the impetus behind you and Gail starting the dolls? Like, was there a kind of defining moment where you were both like, we need to make our own thing? Skint. Yes. <laughs> like, not a penny. I love the honesty. I love it. Yes. Not a penny. She was in the bones of her bum, and so was that, like, and I mean really, 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 really skint. I couldn't get a job up here. Nobody really knew who I was, or well, why would they know who I was? I don't mean that. I hadn't, I hadn't met enough folk to then people who know a body of work or know what you are capable of. Because a lot of it's word of mouth. And uh, Gail was the same. I was singing in pubs, just with a, literally a karaoke machine, a couple of backing tracks, and uh, we were like, I was with an agency, and the guy said, "See if you do comedy." It was like, that's how I spoke. See if you do comedy or you do an act where you're like the Supremes or something, or even, I don't know, you could be a duet, you could be ABBA, you'll make me a money. I said, all right, okay. So then I thought, well, I'll maybe do something like that. And then I bumped into Gail, who I didn't know at all, just bumped into her at a cabaret thing. And uh, she was like, I'm totally scared, I want to do something. And then I said, well, I do this thing. And then the guy says to me, if you do a comedy or you do like a girl band thing or whatever, then you can make double money. Do you want to do something? And then the dolls was born and we kind of went, what about doing characters? Because obviously we're actors. Ah, let's do that. The characters that sing. And it was just, it was made up as you went along. I love this. And it was just, it was out of money. It was necessity. It was like, and we didn't want anybody to know. So I was like, can't let people know that. And I suppose, sounds like I'm being a total snob about it. I'm no, I think it was more, it's that thing about being an actor. You want to be seen to be working, and probably in a lot of people's eyes, that was not working as an actor. That was working as a stand-up. So you were like, "Well, let's not tell everybody we're kind of doing stand-up because we still want to be taken seriously as an actor." And I don't. Maybe that says something really bad about me. No, <laughs> I, I love your honesty, but I, but you know, me looking at your career, and I'm sure everybody else would be like. Louise is amazing look all the things she's done like that ability to go from one basically one it's not all the same I mean it's under the same umbrella but being in a musical in the West End to then creating your own show and starring in it to then being in a film to then being in like a straight play like that they are very different worlds and not everybody can do that to the, the, the degree that you do that's really kind of but I kind of just go I don't know I maybe I've, I've never actually thought about it like that I just do you know what it is I think I go I'll come out and try that now 
Oh, do you know what? I think I get bored quite easily. Maybe, maybe I've got like some form of. I think I do have some form of something because I do. My attention span is really bad, and I th- I don't know if it's like I go. Oh, I've done that right. Let's see if I can. That sounds so pretentious. I don't mean it like that. I think it's just um, I can't eat as my mum says. You can't sit in your arse. I can't. I identify with that. Like I wrote a poem about like what's she up to now. Some people must just be like, what is she doing now? Yeah. Doing a podcast, she's got a dance troupe, she's writing poetry. And I'm like, why not? Really, like like you said, maybe it's just yourself thinking like that. And sometimes I'm like, maybe you should just like look at one thing. And I'm like, why? No, it's boring. It's boring. It's boring. <laughs> it, but, I mean, if it's not boring for you, that, great. Like, if you know, if you find a thing that you love and you do that for your whole life, and you know, you're happy doing that every single day till you don't need to do it any longer great like good for you but that's not me totally and I actually I'm envious of people who are like that like I go god that must be really great you're you're like everything's together you're all sorted you're organized you're doing that one thing and nothing will take you off that track of your focus I think that's an amazing human being I just can't cope in life (laughs) I go oh no I'm like, I literally, as I said, it's that is, I don't know if I want a shit or I want a, like, I don't know what I want. I just don't know what I want. I want it all, but then I don't really want it, but I do want it. And then it's like, no, I'll just do that one thing. You're getting an insight into my mental. I love it. I'm, listen, I'm like, I'm just identifying massively. So this is great therapy for me. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, there's somebody else like that. That's great. But I think it's that inquisitiveness, that want to like connect with people. Like you're obviously somebody who loves working with other people. You're a people person. Yeah. Um, you love that getting in the mix and making stuff work and figuring it out. And that's why you want to do all the things because all the things offer something different. No, no job is the same. No. And I think maybe that's why, when you were saying at the start, you know, why did you want to become an actor? Maybe that's why, but I just didn't know it because ego only, I don't say acting's the only job that you can do all those things and like chop and change, but it's one of the very few jobs that you can live that kind of life. So maybe without knowing it, I was always destined to be an actor or within this industry because I, I crave that change and I crave that, you know, newness of a new company or a new play or a new whatever it is I I, I need to keep being re-stimulated I don't know is that a word is that a word let's let's make a word (laughs) (laughs) but I guess like going into tv and film that is like another world that's another realm because just even the way that you have to conduct yourself in the space and the extra bodies in the room that you would never have in a theatre space yeah, was that a happy accident that you ended up in those worlds, or was that a deliberate decision? Like, I'd like a wee shot at Delhi. I think I could do that film. It kind of then I did the same, slightly the same thing where I did the jump from Mamma Mia and then go and do kind of plays. I kind of went right, okay. I'd kind of done a few back to back, and I was really obviously enjoying my career on stage, and I love I love stage, but I hadn't done a massive amount. I dabbled in telly. And I kind of thought, right, why don't I just kind of not, again, not throw myself into everything and just see if telly will come. I'll put the feelers out. And I think by that point as well, I'd done a body of work up here in theatres that what's lovely about Scotland is because it is small, a lot of people that are in telly come and watch theatre. So your transition in or having an in or somebody that maybe seen you in something, you can then write a message and go, hi, you seen me in this. And if anything comes up, keep in mind you get that little um, connection. 
And so I kind of stepped back and tried to just pursue that side of things and then see what came back. And I think the biggest thing that kind of made my jump to Taylor was probably Johnny Watson because I'd done your granny with Johnny and Johnny did all an excuse every year. And after working with Johnny, he was like, I've really enjoyed working with you. Do you want to come and do some sketch work on all an excuse? So he, to be honest, got my foot in that door um, with the comedy unit and doing loads of television with them. And then it kind of, from that, you get to know people that work there that then say, do you want to audition for this? Or we'll get this coming up. Um, and so it was probably Johnny Watson I've got to thank for that, to be honest. Defo. In TV work, is there this the same, or not necessarily the same, but is there a level of creativity in terms of like you get to see how you portray a character? Or is it very much just like you're, you're kind of told that this is, this is basically the words and this is how we want you to play it? Um, in my experience, I mean, maybe people have had different. I've never had somebody say, and when you audition for these things, a pal of mine, Johnny McKnight, and it always sticks to me, he goes, make a choice, decide what, what you're going to go in and do. And you're, you're more happy, and he's right, you're more happy with yourself when you audition for these things and you make a choice. If you go in and you go, right, I'll try and play it like this, but I'll try and play it like that in case I'm looking for that, and then what I'll do is I'll do it like that in case I'm looking for that person. You're just a mess. You're in just reading a script trying to be five different people that's impossible and so you end up probably only because I've done it you do a very averaged kind of nobody really understands your audition I don't know what she did and so when he kind of gave me that advice I just kind of went well actually I'm just going to make a decision and go in and be really clear in what I think this person is and I felt after I kind of took that advice I started to get I started to get the jobs because sometimes that casting director wants you to come in and actually give them something because they sometimes don't know what they're looking for. Yes. They might have an idea and they might go, oh, I'd really love her to be like X. But then you could go in and do it like Y and they go, actually, that really worked for that character. And you're confident, you're bold, you've made a choice. You're convincing them that you know who this person is. And so... Choice for me was the big thing that changed. And I went, just make choices. And if I don't get the job because I've made the wrong choice, then that's okay because I can stand by the choice because that's how I wanted to play her. That's how I would have always played her. So the job wasn't for me. And I don't know if maybe that just maybe made amends for me because I was like, right, okay, I can take the nonu because I was never playing her any other way. You're giving all the great advice. Anybody that's listened to this will be like... Pen out like right now the or the golden nuggets because I think that's the thing like I think for anybody especially starting out it, it is just like they must just be thinking like what do they want how should I play this what's the right thing to do and it sounds to me that you're just like you need to follow your gut you need yep. to do you and and make those choices and sometimes it is make yourself vulnerable in the sense that you're going to clear your diary and you're going to say no to stuff because there is only seven days in the week. And if you just keep saying aye, you're never going to get to do that thing that you want to do. You have to physically create the space for the university handed to you for you to take on. And that's tough, especially now, you know, people can hardly act. We're not great. We're not greatly paid. Even like, oh God, you know, you've got a great career, whatever. It's nobody's living like millionaires anymore. It, it, that, that doesn't happen. You're not paid for that. So to take that step back is terrifying but sometimes the rewards are so bloody worth it. And even though I'm saying, you know, go and make big choices and, you know, don't... I'm never saying don't falter in that because you do have to be adaptable and changeable as an actor. It's not to be so rigid, 
but it's to be sure of who you think that character is and have a real stab it's something that happened in your gut when you read it because your guts it's like your mammy says your guts right some most of the time it's right and there will be another time you go in and they go, oh, she played it like an old woman and we wanted a young, sassy 16-year-old. I mean, how you can get the both wrong. But you might make a mistake, but listen, it's you, you have to make the mistakes to learn, I think. Yeah, you're not a mind reader, like you say. You you don't know what they're thinking. They, like you're saying, you they maybe don't know what they're looking for. You just need to show them what they didn't even realise they needed sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Do you still get... As nervous, do you think, as you would have at the start of you know, going up for stuff like auditions? Because, like, I mean, I've not had to audition a lot of my life just because the the way I took my path and basically made my own work, so that I didn't need audition for it. Because I'm terrible at auditions. I'm the worst. I don't always believe you get the best out of people in an audition situation because I've worked with people who are fantastic additionaries they're great they put themselves together in this amazing package and they go sell sell and they're amazing then you get to rehearsal and they crumble because it's it's a one i'm not saying it's a one-off thing that they can do i don't mean that but their, their, their skill set maybe doesn't lie within carrying a character through and getting it to that next stage and then there's some people who audition really terribly their nerves really thing with them i'm i'm not a great person i'm not a great additionary and your nerves go and you feel a bit sick. But actually, you put me in a comfortable, relaxed environment with really good people who are creative individuals, who are respectful and lovely. And you can get amazing work out of really talented folk who are shite at additions. And I, I really am a real firm believer that that's 16 bars of song and half a monologue to get a job is crap. That is that's hard. That's hard going. But I'd like how would you get to know somebody in sixteen bars and half a month? Like it's 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 ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And I think some people's it's like everybody learns differently. I think everybody acts differently and you need to put people in a position to make them really comfortable in order to get the best out of them. And I don't always think additions are set in that environment. And it's a shame because I don't know how else you would do it. I'm sitting here like I'm an expert. I'm no, but I think I don't think you get the best out of a lot of people. Well, yeah, no, it's important to say that because, like, why does it need to be one way? Like, some surely somebody can break the mold and go. Maybe we'll try it this way and just see what happens. Like, because you, you, there must be undiscovered talent and joy out there that's just because somebody just can't do additions that is just terrible the nerves just get the better of them they, they need to type you warm up they need maybe somebody to play off you know there might, there'll be a million reasons why somebody's not great in that audition setup of course something could happen to you that day so it was always like a workshop maybe over like two days because then i go actually you get to know me and i get to know you and as much as you know there's a a thing where an actor constantly wants employed Sometimes you can go and do these things and go, actually, that director really isn't for me. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to work. Like, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. You want to see, are we a collaborative team? Can we create this together and have a lovely time? And, you know, I love how you work and they love how you work. And I don't believe in a 10-minute walk into a room, stand by a piano, that you get any of that. But then it costs money to do two days or three days development. Yeah. But that's just my personal opinion. I think you get better out of people. I mean, I would run for the hills if somebody said you have to audition for something. I'd be like, no, thank you. I'll just keep okay. doing one thing. As soon as I get something like that, and honestly, I go like, oh, 
Oh, good day. I get it done, but I just go. I, I, I can promise you, I don't go. Oh my god, it's amazing! I can't wait to go in. I'm going to be fantastic. I'm going. I'm terrible. I can't do this. That's just terrible. Oh, it's fourteen lines. Oh my god, look at it. Six pages. Oh, I can't go. I'm sweating. I talk myself in and out. I'm a maniac. Sweating about sixteen pages, but yet you're up there on that stage for NTS doing like a show that's like, you know, all singing, all dancing. Like, I mean, or I, I, I loved orphans. I genuinely did. That's. I mean, obviously, I, I knew you before I uh, saw you in Orphans. Um, I think that just gave me the impetus to just say, I'm just going to ask her to come on the podcast. I mean, the worst she can say is no, because I just loved your performance. I really did. And I'd been watching all this stuff online um, that they were putting out, you know, the kind of promotional stuff and like seeing you in rehearsals and like, you know, the lyrics of some of the songs and just the way you were singing them. I was like, I know I'm going to love this. And then I, I just loved your performance. I thought you were awesome. Oh, Lisa, it's so kind. I'll be honest, I think... Um, the music in the just the, the the book as well and but for me the music the boys gave you a gift like when somebody's giving you a gift like that it's I mean you can still mess it up but surely it should be harder to mess it up because <laughs> they just they're just brilliant I mean they're, they're fun Aries Tommy and Roddy I mean they're like they're just going to go like that they're just incredible and they did they gave us absolute gems on a plate and when you get that kind of material as an actor you're just buzzing you're just like this is great and it's got loads of great lyrics and the tunes banging and oh it was just it was just a great process because actually it was a team of people that just really after and you came out of a pandemic it was a big massive show after everybody just wanted to go to their work and create something brilliant and I must say as an atmosphere as a rehearsal room it's one of the best I've ever been in oh that's lovely and I don't know if that had anything to do with it like pandemic wise I think it it must have it was like, we're back. There must have been a, an expectation on you as well, like this, like we want this to be great because we've been, you know, nervously waiting in the wings just for stuff to come back and just for it to be all right again and to to get on stage and get those butterflies and, you know, yeah. open the night and even just be in the rehearsal room just making something. I mean, I had an opening night for a show last night and I was just like, I won't believe this until it actually happens that we're going to get here. But it always, it's really weird, right? I'm touching wood as we're saying this, right? But it yeah. does always happen. No matter what, it does always kind of happen. Like, we felt that. I did a musical at that scale in six weeks. Like, uh, that's... Six weeks? Yeah, they rehearsed it in six weeks. Like, Jeez. when you do a musical in the West End, you're, you're like, you can be six months. You do three months of previews. Because a musical is really, really hard to hone it and get it really right. And I go, for them to do that in that space of time, and that set, like for those that haven't seen it, the set is actual life-size tenements practically yes. that come on the side. And you're going, for them to put that together, put all that up, I mean, they're nothing short of incredible at NTS, especially the crew, like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's the thing, I, I guess, people going to a theatre and seeing, not saying that people are, you know, ignorant or anything, but it's such a crew. Like, there's so many people that don't get the applause for, like, the work that they do, all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Like, it just wouldn't be possible, like, you know, without those those people. And I'll be honest, for me, they're the, they're the heroes of it. They absolutely are, because, it, like, it, light and all those things, like, it just it elevates it. When you're in a room and you're doing it as an actor, yes, we bring loads to it and we bring character not, but it's it can be quite flat. And when all that stuff all comes together, it's like the leap that goes on 
from that point in the production to the opening night thing, it's incredible. And these people doing the NTS, I mean, some of them are just what they can do. A guy built a bloody seesaw. Like, the building waltzers. It was just like, and I think at one point you wouldn't have seen it because it got cut. They had like a full-on dodging and then they had a van where two guys would drive this van and this van would put up at a stage. Like, you're just like, how do you make this stuff? But going back to the dolls, I guess then you would have more creative license in terms of all that kind of stuff in terms of lighting and sound and music choices like that's where you really get to play with stuff that necessarily you don't get a say in with other productions because you're like well it's our thing so we get to decide what happens and that's dead exciting you do or you do what I did at the start we used to go yeah yeah we'll do the light and then we'll do this right and then you quickly learn you can't do it all right (laughs) so then you just phone really cracking pals and you go say what you want what your magic just do what you want make it make it look cracking Louise do you not want this and like we could maybe just I don't care I'm up to you <laughs> the light put a light in my face get on with it no, I'm really <laughs> I love it I love it it's so, I'm not quite as thing as that but you do you kind of we did at the start chat you do everything and you know have a hand on everything and you can do it all and actually these people who do the light and who have studied for years they know better than you Louise <laughs> Like, all right, just do what you want then. Well, it's not quite the same as being in your bedroom, just getting your bedside lamp and <laughs> shoving it into your face. Everybody does their own lighting. I've got, I've got a ring light on the now, that's why. <laughs> this is hiding the multitude that's in. You're lucky if I get a lighter on my face, I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. But that's, that, you know, I, I guess the dolls have got to a level where, like, you do, like, you know, it's a massive scale now. You're filling out theatres, like, you can't, you can't possibly do it all. And it's that then trusting and handing over your baby, essentially, to other people that you're like. But you've collected all these amazing people as you've went along because you're a people person and you realise who's great, who's somebody that you can communicate really effectively with and you're like you're coming with me I'm going to keep you in my armory you build your team because nobody's a one-man band nobody is no matter what they do like I'm a big fan of John Tiffany's as well and you look at him he he does a lot of work with Stephen Hoggett there's him he's got a real team of people who have helped him create these amazing shows and I think you go that's how it should be it's a it's a collaborative nobody's nobody's um the hero well the crew are (laughs) Do you, you have to build a team, and I think you can't. You can't do it all. Honestly, I've I've tried to do it all. You can't. <laughs> but you're clearly a, a, a grafter, but you're also clearly somebody who loves a laugh, loves a carry on. Are there particular people that stand out for you that you've worked with, and you can think back to like moments on stage or moments but back behind the scenes that you're just like that was a total. That was a piece of nonsense. God, there's so many. I mean, there's obviously Gail because me and Gail have been. Honestly, like, there's no bonds. Let somebody tell him that both of you are crap and then sit in a, a McDonald's car park, Motherwell greeting that you might never do acting again. I worked in Motherwell McDonald's. Right. <laughs> I possibly, I possibly cleaned your tray away as she's with deliberating over the performance. I can't handle that. He said, I'm in shite. <laughs> so there'll be no bond that will probably ever, like, only me and her know that. It's like it's a weird thing. Only me and her know that journey. So in that respect, and then you know, back like the cat, like we've done stupid things, like in the middle because it's yours as well, and it's kind of quite panel. You can come off, but you can do what you like within reason. We're no pure idiots about it. 
Of course not. One night she was like, I'm just flung that plant off the stage. And I think I just done it. And it was this big, massive plant. And I don't know what came over me. I just went, all right, and just like flung it off the stage. And then she's looking at me. I'm going, I don't even know why I've done that. And it was like, just to see if we could get away with it. Yes. Like, pushing, pushing the boundaries of theatre. And I, in the last, it was the stage manager. I was like, I mean, that's not on. You're like, no, it's totally not on. I'm so sorry. This is so unprofessional. But me and her were just... It, the, the, we call it like you know the devil the madness is in you that night and you're like mom will do this um so i suppose gail always stand out for those reasons um who's a, i mean i work a lot with julie wilson nimmo on scott's one i mean she's a dick i mean she's one of my best pals she's just a minx and like that i have i have a very similar bond with julie that i do with gail it's like creating character we started scott squad together built it up and you know, me and Julia are writing together and trying to do our own kind of sitcom thing. And obviously, we don't know if anything's going to happen with it, but we're going to throw darts at a dartboard. And I just deck myself. She makes me pee my pants. She's just a crack. Because you've interviewed her. I mean, she's just a normal cracking lassie. And I just like normal cracking folk. I mean, what's normal? That's a really inappropriate phrase. But I just mean good people. I just love good people who like a laugh. And I'll work with them all day. Johnny Watson, Paul Riley. Barbara Raff, I mean, Gregor Fisher, the, the, the list is endless. Endless. I don't think I've ever had a really terrible experience with somebody. I've always had a laugh. That's lovely to hear, because you deserve that, because you obviously bring that energy. Do you know what I mean? You're a positive person who's a grafter and just is going after what you want, and you're going to work dead hard at it, and you're going to be really nice while you're doing it, and like you deserve that. Do you know what I mean? Like That's... You're there for the joy. You're not like like you say. You're not there to make millions of pounds and and to bring something else to an audience. At the end of the day, you're you're trying to entertain people. You're trying to take people on a journey. Totally, and I think it is as well with the dolls. I mean, you'll talk about you know the audience and who you you reach out to. We've always wanted the dolls to be for people like myself and my family that I come from. People that don't go to theatre that think, oh no, that's too snobby for me. And you go, it isn't, it's for everybody. And I'll be honest, if I hadn't went to the club to try and get after Michael Martin, I don't think theatre would have been for me. Do you know what I mean? I was cutting about flats in Mary Hill, trying to get after people in closes. There's a pattern here, Lisa. So you go, would I ever have found it? I don't know. But there's something about when we did the dolls, we were on, you know, your, your grassroots, you're bringing the people, and they people who have been up. We've had women who went, I've never been to the theatre, but I've come to the Kings to see you. You go, ah, you've done a, that's your job. That's a huge compliment. That's amazing. And they'll come and they'll follow you. And some of them will go, and we've booked Dirty Dancing next year. Cause it's, so you go, that spills into other people's creative things. That's lovely. There's wee Betty. She's now gone to the theatre once a year with her pals because she had such a lovely experience. You've done that for her. That's amazing. Like that, that is a gift. Do you know what I mean? Because some people just, like you're saying, would be really intimidated by walking into a theatre. Totally. You see posters and you're like, oh God. Like even now, I, some posters I go, oh God. Like I've done a wee bit of Shakespeare, but I still have that really niggling fit in the back of my head going, well, I can't do that because I'm working class. Well, I'm probably middle class now because I've been doing the dolls and all that, right? So I've got a couple of pounds in my back pocket. I can't even really say I'm working class, right? But, you know, I came from that world with those characters and those people, like, and you go, you do, I've looked at things and went, oh, no, that'll go in my head, I'll not understand that. And actually, you do understand it, you just watch it. And if, there, if there's good actors, you'll get the story. Correct, it's their job to help you understand that. That's that's what they're there for. Totally. Yeah. And what do your family make of your chosen career path? 
I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're really proud. Um, well, I went to see my pa. My pa's in hospital now, but he's totally fine. You know, he's like, who are you? And I said, I'm Louise, I'm your granddaughter. I said, you've got another granddaughter because I've got a sister. And I said, and she's a doctor. And he's like, oh, you can tell he's on press. He's all gone. She's a doctor. I said, yes, she's a consultant. He said, what do you do? I said, oh, I do the singing and the dancing. And he just burst out laughing. <laughs> so in some respects, clearly it's no uh, valued. <laughs> Not really joking. On the other hand, my dad and my mum are very much like, do a job you love, you won't work a day in your life. They've been really, my dad's been a mechanic and, my mum's been a home help and a cleaner and she works in a cafe now. So very just kind of normal jobs. And I remember my sister going to my dad, I'm going to be a doctor and all this. And you'd think, you know, you know, that's a step up from what they'd done. And my dad was like, I, I think you're mental. No, she's like, what? He's like, that's a lot of years and all that. How do you and your sister no get a couple of guitars? I mean, you two you can sing, you could be the Glasgow Corps. <laughs> oh my God, this is literally my, my dad. Is this your dad? Because I've got a sister. And we, <laughs> me and Emma used to gig and we did Hunters of Course stuff. My dad's still, still waiting and I was being the course. I'm not even kidding. Louise, I've got photos where we're called Little Wing and the Mother Will Beer Festival. And my dad is still like, he'll say to me on like a monthly basis, have you picked up your guitar recently? I'm, I'm not even kidding. My dad will be so pleased to have said this. He'll be like, see, see. Tell me the cars could have been the cars. We used to dress in black with a like with a bit of leather in that eye. Yeah, you actually yeah. look like you used to get dark hair. See, we were blonde, so we were like, no, we were more like the bloody Nolans. You know, <laughs> you used to actually get the look about you. But I, Kate, like your dad, my dad would have been happy as a pig and shit if we'd have cut about my guitars and sang songs in pubs. There was no expectation of going to be a big high achiever, not because they weren't proud. It was just do something that you're happy because I think in many ways my dad's like I don't love my job, but dear, go and get it done, you know, get wins. And I think they just wanted you to be happy, and whether that was, you know, singing or being a doctor like my sister, my grand, she wanted you to work Marks and Spencers because she wanted you to get a, the discount to go oh, go and work Marks. She get a great discount when you work there. So she'd have been happy if I worked in Marks. So I didn't actually have a lot to. Um, Live up to it was quite good. There was no pressure. I think that's important, yeah. And as a parent now, do you think that's what your attitude will be when the time comes? Oh, totally. I mean, I would just let I just let people do what they want to do. Like honestly, you're here for you're here for a very short time, and I just think happiness is paramount. You could have all the money in the world and you'd be miserable, and just try and be happy. And I think the mental health as well being so like prevalent and after coming out of pandemic I just go make yourself happy please God make yourself happy so what's going to make you happy next Louise have you got some up your sleeve that you can tell us about I'm filming I start filming next week which I love this is my favourite television job sorry Johnny Watson <laughs> my favourite television job I've ever done I'm going to do the Scots with Ab Florence and Ian Connell uh, so we're yes. in series two of the sitcom so I'm going back to do that so I love that job. I love the cast. I love the crew. I love the character. She's amazing. And then I think for myself, I've done loads and loads of comedy. I I, I want a challenge. I want something something that people will go, she can't do that. And then I want to try and see if I can do it, like play Mary Queen of Scots or something. Or, I don't know. Or, I don't know. That's totally a crap idea. But something that you go, it's no, I've not got a faggy Glaswegian voice. All right, now. Something, but I don't do that voice. 
for a wee change. Well, I don't think anybody would be saying she can't do that. I think you're capable of anything. You've proven that time and time again for sure. I don't know if they'd give me a shot at it, but I'd quite like to do something a wee bit out of the comfort zone, a challenge. I wouldn't say it doesn't need to be comedy, but I think just because I've done loads back to back, I go, do you know what? I'd quite like to dip my hand in, try to do something maybe a bit more straight and see. But you just need to wait for somebody to give you that opportunity. Or maybe I'll just write it myself. There you go. And that's the joy that that's you, the skill set that you've got. Do you know what I mean? Like, and just make your own, make your own work, like make your own joy. Just like, why not? Why not try it? Why not? So wait and see. But I'm writing with Julie and that the now and the gig and doing things like that. And my pal Dom, we're writing. So I'm hopefully, I've, I'm trying to put loads of things in the, the kind of chuck it out into the universe and see what comes back. But nothing set in stone. And I've got a baby as well. Who am I kidding about? You are going to have a baby. Oh, my word. Which I didn't know. So that's lovely news. So I so I'll need to get that done. I, I say it like it's a job. I'll need to have a way. Then I'll need to do that. And it's, it's not a job. I can't wait. I'm so excited that I'm saying this with all the ambition and the great intent. But whether it will be achieved with two wins, we'll, we'll work it at least. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm in awe of you. I think <laughs> just do all you've you're spinning all the plates, and I love it. I love oh, it. I'm shattered anyway, so just might as well just chuck something else in. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already tired anyway. So see if I can break myself. I'm going to see if I can break myself. That's the challenge. I'm only joking. <laughs> now I'm aware of time, and you're a very busy person. But I do a thing called the hingamajigs, which are just random questions that I throw at my guests at the end, just to see what your answer is the day. Right, no bother. If you're up for it. Oh, so I've got a list here and I'm just going to pick a few. I haven't picked them in advance. Um, you're a very, very positive person, clearly. But um, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, pee in a toilet seat. <laughs> yes. It's because I've got two boys. Well, I've got, a, I've, I've got a partner and I've got a child. And that's what I'm affronted with quite a lot. <laughs> that's my life in a minute. Now I'm at, then you've got to kind of get a glove and touch it and lift it I'm at. Lost my mind. So I'm getting all the visuals here. I'm getting all the visuals. I hate doing a dish. I hate the dishes. I hate doing a dish. Me too. I'm just not down for like the domestic life at all, actually. I'll change a bed, I'll clean a toilet, but a dish, no thanks. Fair enough. <laughs> Can you finish this sentence? When I was wee, I was gonna be a Glasgow core. <laughs> I think there's time for you, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I mean if you ever want to explore that. I did. I mean, the guitar's there. I'm, right. I'm re- ready. Wait. My dad would be thrilled. I'll get a black box tie and come up to your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you straighten this curly dude. None of them had curly hair. But <laughs> <laughs> we've got to be a wee bit different. True story. True story. <laughs> um, what would your mastermind specialist subject be? Uh, Real Housewives. Bravo. Right. Obsessed. I'm actually borderline. I'm actually. I think I'm making myself numb in the brain because I don't really watch it anymore. I just keep putting that on. But it's just it's an escapism for me. Or UFC. I love the UFC. Do you? Right, but I'd say I'm better at that. I'm probably. I kind of know all the popular ones in the UFC. If it was anything like really trivial, no. Go Real Housewives. Real Housewives. Great. Brilliant. Um, where do you not mind waiting? Uh. Where do I not mind waiting? Outside the nursery, because I can't wait to see him. Oh, that's lovely. I don't mind waiting there. Sometimes I'll go do an earlier for me, but earlier I don't mind. I'm like, oh, can I wait till 4 o'clock? He comes out the nursery. What would you say to your younger self? And it can be your younger self at any age. 
it's going to be all right. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. And I'm gutted to be finishing this play that I've loved it. But this is the question that I ask everyone. So I switch up all the other ones, but the one I ask everyone because it's called The Brawn the Brave is what is your favourite Scots word or phrase? Gallus. Yes. I didn't even need to hesitate. You did not. Not even a breath. Gallus. I think you're definitely gallus. And I mean that in a, a completely, like that's a compliment like through and through. <laughs> I think you're so gallus. And I, I just, I'm in total admiration of you I just think you're doing wonderful things and I just wish you all the best moving okay. forward I know you're going to do just more more joyous things fingers crossed but honestly that's so kind honestly thanks so much for having me you're a lovely lovely person and like uh, in real life I'll take you for a coffee that would be lovely I would love to go for a coffee that would be smashing yes thank you no all the best with uh, your new arrival thanks so much so excited uh, I'm excited to see the next thing that you're up to, whatever that may be. Wait and see, wait and see. But I'll keep you posted. But I think maybe a wee bit of chill time, have a baby, feet up. <laughs> I like how you equate having a baby with chill time. I love that. No, that is my chill time, isn't it? Oh, we'll see what happens. Like I say, I'm trying. I'm just trying to see if I can break myself. Totally, this is my challenge. <laughs> 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 no. Thanks so much. I enjoyed that. That was lovely. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Brawn the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.